Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news of issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, this will be the last Environment Matters of 2019 and what a year it has been. Extreme weather has become a feature of life around the world from flooding in Yorkshire to wildfire in Australia and high temperature records in locations around the planet keep on tumbling. But environmental activism is spreading like wildfire as well. Extinction Rebellion hit the headlines with their peaceful but chaos-causing activism and school strikers have followed the inspiration of Swedish teenager Greta Thunberg in asking adults to get their act together and save the planet. Here in St Albans, Sustainable St Albans Week became the three-week sustainability festival and, responding to a petition signed by 1,700 people, St Albans District Council became the 120th in the country to declare a climate emergency. And in this show, we're going to take a peek around the corner into 2020. Now, business is often quoted as being the root of our environmental problems. Will 2020 be the year that it begins to become part of the solution? I spoke to St Albans businessman Jonathan Chapman, formerly the CEO of SEDEX, the world's largest not-for-profit ethical sourcing programme covering environment, human trafficking and business and human rights. He's currently the COO of the Responsible Business Alliance and a leading US-based environmental and business and human rights non-profit based in Washington, USA. I spoke to Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So, 2019 has seen an increase around the world in public concern for the environment. Is any of that concern filtering into the boardroom? Yeah, I think we're seeing, as part of a general trend, the, the, the way in which boards have been look, looked at through the risk lens. Uh, it's an increasing um, visual uh, tool that we're seeing, particularly when you're dealing with private equity investors as well. So the transition at the minute really is to look at uh, how boardrooms are instructing and working with their direct uh, executive management and we can see a big change particularly in the FTSE 1000 um, in the way in which boardrooms are adopting uh, best practice but also looking at that risk focus and you hear more about that on risk okay. later on. So I mean do you think we can see a step change in business attitudes to the environment in 2020 or is this a sort of a slow slide? I think it's a slightly quicker slow slide if I may put it that way so 2010 through to, to, to 2020s the start I think we saw the initiation around the sustainable development goals we saw things like the modern day slavery act and other issues creating uh, corporate social responsibility targets with the sustainable development goals in 2030 now just a decade away i think the impetus now is to see uh, the next 10 years being that ramp up and the longer they leave it the quicker the the, the tail will flick uh, towards the end so there's a lot of input at the minute at board level in terms of making sure they don't have that snap reaction at the turn 2025 onwards because that becomes much more costly so yes we will see the, the, the start of the change but it will not be accelerating until really the middle of the decade okay and c- can we see the beginnings of a move away from fossil fuels i mean this week we saw Goldman Sachs stopping financing new drilling for oil in the arctic yeah you, you think that this is um something we will see increasingly trouble is you've got um, investment vehicles versus government actors and there are other government actors at the moment who are in coming into that space and using their sort of national 
uh, agendas to be able to go away and affect change. So unfortunately, where a gap occurs, that's been quickly filled in by uh, other actors in these states, and that's a government level. Having said that... In so when you say government actors, you're talking about um, um, uh, Aranko, these sort of the, the, the state-owned yes. oil companies? So in particular in Russia, if you look at their, um, their attitudes towards uh, the Antarctic region and also look at the uh, investment and attitudes in Antarctica at the minute, particularly towards the south from Latin America, there are various state actors that are looking at very closely the way in which um, fossil fuels are being managed in terms of reserves and also in terms of access to that. And that includes the Falkland Islands and the area of um, the southern part of Latin America into the Atlantic Ocean, those particular right. zones. Okay, so so still this is uh, increased drilling for oil is still yeah. going to happen. I mean, do you think we're anywhere near seeing um, fossil fuels as an investment risk rather than an asset? Yeah, well, you look at the late, the recent flotation uh, for the Saudi Arabian uh, oil company that just went onto the market, $34 trillion, um, and that was heavily subscribed to in terms of Aramco and, and the way in which... Uh, that market has has been sustained. That has not gone away. So the the appetite at that scale seems to be very much there. Having said that, that sovereign and I mean sovereign procurement. So those are uh, again those state actors, those government actors that are taking place and taking ownership for that spare reserve. So you're now seeing the food chain move up away from business to effectively global rights, global issues, and and uh, at country level. So to an answer to your question. Yes, you're seeing people at Goldman Sachs and other investment vehicles removing themselves, but that is not necessarily leading to the removal of fossil fuels. What will change is the appetite for consumers and the, and the move away now to towards more electrical, sustainable means. Right. OK, so really this this is throwing the responsibility right back at us, Correct. saying actually if we need to stop this, it's not down to the companies, this is down to yep. us. Yeah, yep. no matter what you do in the boardroom, unfortunately, um, you know, still the military runs on solid fuel. They're not going to run tanks on electricity for now. And the way in which the, the world moves goods and vehicles right now and, and services um, as well as sort of the, the early advent of biofuels doesn't mean we're losing uh, fossil fuels anytime too soon. But with the advent of changes in diesel particulates and the way that Euro 7 and 8, the motor standards are coming through the latter part of the 2020s, you'll see some step changes towards 2030. And I think that will accelerate beyond 2030 into 2040 and 2050. So we are seeing movement, but we're right at the start of the real to-do okay. part. So, so 2020 could still be quite an exciting time yes, for this. Yes, thing. it's definitely the starting gun's been fired. So I think all the th- talk and theory, it's a shame that COP25 ended in such a sort of poor way. Uh, Greta Thunberg still making those headlines, but the the the, uh, the ammunition is out there, Extinction Rebellion and others, those have really advocated for change. The voice is being heard, whether you agree or not. That is stimulating consumer behavior, but unfortunately at the big level, the macro level, the bit that makes the industrial change, that is not yet changing, and that will take a while. There's a big lag there. Okay. We, we, we can't really talk about this without mentioning Brexit. Um, yep. A move away from the EU, um, is that going to uh, affect sustainable business in this country? Um, the EU, you know, it, there's, there's quite a lot of environmental legislation. Uh, do we think this is going to affect environmental standards? Well, it's very interesting. Um, having attended the hustings here locally uh, and talking about environment, it's very well received and very well managed by all of the uh, particular parties that were there and present delivering. But... I think um, we've got a EU law enshrined for day one, and I don't think that's going to disappear. What I think you've got is 
good corporate governance, uh, the same within the US with Dodd-Frank, uh, which sort of brought in some of that good governance. It's going to be down to every CEO and every business uh, director and every business board to kind of make sure that going forward um, there is transition or translation of expected law or best behavior from expected laws like on what's on the border. So Europe has strong standards. Why would the UK drop those standards particularly low? Because that won't give them parity and access to markets. So I think it's self-sustaining. And I think now with Sustainable Development Goals, which is a non-governmental led, it's just part of the UN Charter and it's part of a, an overall piece with support from OECD and other business um, business bodies, you will see those sorts of initiatives driving forward rather than a particular change of Brexit. So I'm expecting movement to continue and I don't expect Brexit necessarily to deter or delay anything in the future. Okay, well that's good news then. Jonathan Chapman, thank you very much. You're very indeed. welcome. Um, now, I mentioned there the normalisation of extreme weather, and there are few people affected more than farmers who are the custodians of so much of our environment. And of course, extreme weather is just one of the many uncertainties that farmers are facing as we look forward to 2020. I spoke to Bill Barr, who farms at Dane End Farm out to the west of the Redbourne Road. Bill, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So how is climate change already affecting local farmers like you? And will you have to make changes to accommodate these challenges? Well, yes, I'm I'm afraid that climate change is definitely happening. And if you think about last summer, a year year or 18 months ago, how hot it was and dry and we were crying out for rain. And then this season has been a reasonable season right up to harvest time and um, harvest was a reasonably good harvest and then we're all desperate for some rain and it has uh, then it arrived and it has not stopped since consequently um, we have not sown any of our winter cereals as with so many people in the country they just cannot get on the ground it's so wet so this is going to have a big knock-on effect next summer when we come to harvest time when there will be nowhere near as much wheat and um, and barley in the ground okay um, i mean presumably there's always been you know rotten in inverted commas weather w- what's the difference now the difference is that we seem to get extremes of both it, we have a long long period of dry and we're desperate for rain and then we seem to have um, a long long period of rain and the rain seems to be coming heavier. Um, I know we need water, and water is a big factor for the whole world and, and in this country as well. But um, unfortunately, it just arrived before any of us um, had managed to put any seed in the ground. Consequently, we just we just can't move, right. and it's a very worrying time at okay. the moment. Yeah. So, so farming isn't something that's sort of in the now. You're looking forward all the time. Are you? Would you change the way you think about the crops that you'd hope to plant at this time next year? Well, yes, possibly. Um, we have gone back into growing oilseed rape again. Since um, the government banned us using the neonicotide treatment, which supposedly controls the flea beetle, um, we have been, we've gone for four years where we haven't grown oilseed rape because of that one thing that the government has done to us. And me, just like a lot of other people, uh, but we have been beaten by this flea beetle and um, there's very little rape being grown now, but I've gone so for, for years people without... who, for people who don't know the the, the rape, it's uh, basically the bright yellow flowers that they see the across fields, and it's, uh, it's an, right, as you say, it's an oil seed, isn't it? And produces oil, very important. 
and it's a break crop as well. So it's a great crop from our point of view, and we were all growing lots of it, but um, we've all had to sort of stop doing that. Um, so, so a decision by the government has had a major effect on our farming methods and our crops that we're growing. Consequently, I went to grow linseed. Instead, you do need to have some break crops when you're growing cereals, yep. and linseed is a is a break crop um, from a, from a cereal crop, a barley and wheat. Okay, so it's just so you've got so, a, a, something from a different family of plants, so it's taking correct. different nutrients from the soil. Correct, correct. Different diseases, different everything. So we had re- winter linseed for the first time last year, and it 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 looked good, and, and it, it sort of we went to combine it, and we had a fire within the first time round the field in the back of the combine because it wraps around. Linseed is just like wire. And it... Um, As it say, the, the, the other thing that it's grown for is actually for linen, isn't it? Correct, so, correct. Yeah. And so, although we had a reasonable yield from it, we actually had five fires in the end and we said we cannot possibly grow this crop again because the damage it did to the combine harvester and the risks and the time involved. Um, so we're... We're back to growing um, oilseed rape again, right. and um, we've got our fingers crossed, but it's not looking good, to be honest. Okay, and, and perhaps, uh, do you think that perhaps with not having grown it for a little bit, that the, that the beetles that were causing you so much trouble, there might be less of them around? That's what we were hoping, um, but unfortunately, um, they didn't hear us. Thinking, no. <laughs> and um, they are there in the big numbers. Okay, so, and, um, so, yeah. so things looking pretty difficult from the from the weather and crop point of view. Yeah. I mean, of course, the other big uncertainty at the moment is is Brexit. Um, yes. What changes will this bring um, the way of your farm, I mean, particularly, you know, from an environmental perspective? Yes, yes. Well, you see, we have ten percent of my arable area is in an environmental scheme. Um, paid for by the general public and um, if we are asked to do more in the way of environmental um, put more land into environmental um, in order to get our payments that we receive from the EU um, as I said to uh, Michael Gove when I saw him a few weeks ago I said I do not want to become a park keeper 10% 10% is a big amount of land out of production, and I don't want to be doing more. But he assured me that it was more the people, my neighbours and lots of other people who don't do much in the way of environmental, that he was targeting. So I'm hoping he's uh, yeah, true okay. to his word. So, so, so you think that the, the payments that you're currently getting for, for higher environmental standards within your farm, that you've, well, sounds like you've spoken to Michael Gove and he said, yes, actually, he would expect that to continue after Brexit. Yes, yes, he, he expects that to continue, but we will get we will have to do more environmental work in order to get this money. That's basically what he's saying. Right. Because the public, rightly so, it's public money, and they want to see something for their money. Right, okay. Can you just give us a, a, an idea about the kind of thing that you're doing for that money? Well, yes, we have, for example, we don't cut our hedges every year. We only cut them twice every five years. So our hedges become big and quite unruly in a way. Yes. Um, we have skylark plots. We have 50, 50 skylark plots all over the farm. Wow. That allows the skylark to land in this area that doesn't get sown and then to walk into the crop to get its food. And 
the results are that we are we have got a lot of skylarks. Okay, so I wouldn't do these things unless I thought it was the right thing to do. That's good to know, um, Bill. Just one thing quickly before before we finish. The the other big trend that we've seen is is veganism. Will this yeah. affect anything to do with the way that you farm? Um, well. I think you've got to remember that the veganism um, noise is only made, there's only 6%, I think, of the population who are vegans, apparently. Yeah. And, but they do make a lot of noise. But yes, um, I think um, for the livestock farmer, it is having an effect already. And, um, and in my situation, growing wheat, the number of people who are gluten-free uh, or intolerant to gluten, the demand for bread has gone down significantly over the last few years. And, okay, there's lots of other uses for my wheat, but it's not, you know, it's not, you know, you think wheat makes bread. Yeah. But as just fortunate, there are lots of other things. Um, and we are growing lots of malting barley these days because then most of it goes to China because they are becoming, Chinese are becoming more affluent generally. And there's lots of mouths, as you know, in China. So there's a big market for beer in China. Wow. Who would have known? Who would have known? Yes, <laughs> and, and the, the, the interesting thing, the beans that I grow, I do grow beans, those are black things that people say, what's that dead yes. crop? And they go to, they get ground up and go up to Scotland to the fish farms for protein. So there's lots of new markets, thank goodness, for everything that we produce. Okay. Well, Bill, it sounds like there's some positives going forward into 2020, as well as obviously the negatives with things like the weather. We wish you well and we look forward to seeing how they all go. Bill Barr, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. That's me talking to a local farmer, Bill Barr. Now, next Wednesday will be Christmas Day and the following will be New Year's Day. And Rob Pierman will be hosting an extended local life. So do listen to him and the other great local coverage here on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. I'll be back on the 8th of January. Until then, thank you for listening. Environment Matters, sponsored by Wooka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wooka.co.uk and join the revolution.